Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. My good friend, John Levitt, is back on the show. John has his own podcast for the long run. It's a fantastic podcast that focuses a lot on trail and ultra running, but it's really for it's for really any runner out there, right? Because while it does talk a lot about trail and ultra, it um you know, just deals with the why, as he talks about the why behind running. And that is definitely something that all runners can relate to. But in this podcast, we're not talking about his podcast, we're talking about his running journey. He's someone who I love talking running with. Um, as you'll hear last year at CIM, he had an epic blow up. Again, this was not something that was like fitness related. It was a, just a crazy day. He basically puked the last like 12 miles of this race. I mean, it was intense. We don't get too much into that race recap, but we do set the stage with that because he has bounced back in a really interesting way. Uh, he had a really tough spring, but he has bounced back. And now he is living both professionally and athletically the life that he's always wanted to live. And seeing people do that, especially when they're bouncing back from something or more than one thing, is a truly awesome thing to witness. Before we get into it, I just want to shout out our sponsor, You Can. If you go to youcan.co forward slash rambling, you can get six free Edge Energy Gels. These energy gels are the same ones that Emma Bates used at Boston. You have saw her. You saw her at the front of the pack for almost the entire race. She's taking down one Edge Energy Gel every 5K. And if she trusts it, if Emily Sisson trusts it, if Kira D'Amato trusts it, you can trust it. That is for sure. So if you go to youcan.co forward slash rambling, you can get six free edge energy gels. Also, if you use code rambling at checkout, you can save 20% on your order today. So let's get into it with my good friend, John Levitt. All Full right, price. back on the pod. I, I got you already. John Sorry. Levitt. <laughs> Always trying to jump the gun. Um, who is John Levitt? Oh man, what podcast is this? Is this for the long run or or rambling, rambling Matt Chittam? That's a good point. That's a good point. However, who are who are you, by the way? Who who you evolved into? You've been asking this question. People sometimes ask it back at you. Has it has the answer changed in the last five years? Yeah, I've grown up five years in that time, and and quite a lot more, um, metaphorically speaking, or or um, more in a more esoteric way to answer the question. Uh, who am I? I started asking this question on my podcast out of laziness or as other people have said, efficiency. And what it creates is it forces someone to think about what they care about and how they articulate that. And for me, as someone who doesn't do any preparation for podcasting, it forces me to listen to what these people care most about and drive the conversation in that way. So I started asking this question again out of laziness and it has been shifted into uh, a question born out of efficiency and also like clarity around like what you what you care about and how you talk about yourself. So the literal answer to this question is I'm a dude that lives in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, it's wonderful out here. Um, I like to run. I like to bike. I like to be outdoors, play with dogs, pet dogs, sea dogs, etc. Um, and I really just like helping inspire other people to be better and motivating other people to to bet on themselves and take chances and insert additional metaphors here but i feel that the running experience or my running journey has enabled me to be a better person be a better employee be a better boyfriend be a better family um uh, uh son brother etc and i want everyone to feel that way um, and so that's how I, that's sort of why I overshare on social media. Um, and I have a podcast exploring the curiosity around excellence. And I'm lucky to have such a unique um, community or group of people around me, many of whom have done objectively really incredible things in this, in the sports space winning Olympic gold medals, as well as people who have done really cool things in the entrepreneurship space. And some people have done it in both. And I find those people really interesting as well. So I like learning from those people and helping other people learn from them. And just like, as I joked, like if you're not evolved before we started recording, like if you're not evolving, you're going backwards. And, um, 
Devolving, as you will. Devolving. Someone once said to me, uh, you've changed during our relationship. And it was said as if it were a bad thing. And my reflection on that was, if I hadn't changed, it would have been a bad thing. So... <laughs> Not to get too too grim there, but <laughs> well, unless unless you said like, well, you used to be nice to me, and you've changed, and now you are no longer nice to me. No comment. <laughs> Onwards. <laughs> I I love listening to the beginning of your podcast because um, one of the reasons I love to figure out like who is an active listener to your show, who comes on the show. Again, you have some of the best right, athletes in yeah. the world on your show, and I wouldn't expect those people to like listen to every episode of every running podcast out there. So like. I don't view it as a negative, but like, okay, so they'd be like, wow, and I, I would never have guessed that you'd ask me that. So he asked everybody that. Right. <laughs> but I, I, I joke because I don't expect them. I get like, just like when someone comes on my show, I don't expect them to be like, I've listened to every episode, dude. Keep up the good work. You know, yeah. but it is kind of like a, a funny little habit of mine to be like, I and wonder I what they're going to say. I love when they say, and I knew this was coming. That must put you at ease, right? They're like, oh, okay. No, because go. it's like having the answer for a test, but like half the fun of that question is the spontaneity of the answer and like being in the oh, hot good seat point. Good yeah. point. and just like not having time to think and prepare a perfectly manicured answer. Who is Matt Chittum? The guy asking the questions in this podcast, buddy. That's who, <laughs> that's who Matt Chittum is. So speaking of that, <laughs> we talked about a year ago. And that was a really fun conversation because your evolution, much like my own, um, with running and sports and goals therein, uh, has constantly evolved, right? So you, uh, as you've talked about on your show many times and shared about on social media many times, you had this initial big goal of running three hours in the marathon. You were able to accomplish that. It was this halcyon moment in your life, and it's something that you've been able to reflect on since then in a lot of your conversations with, with people uh, in and around the running world. And yet, it does seem that like since that moment, you have been on this journey to kind of like, what's next? Like, what is going to drive me in a way that that this that this previous goal drove me? Sometimes it seems like you distance yourself from that that those vibes. Other times it seems like you try to embrace them, and but you're always seem to be within this range. So while we talked about this a little bit last year, I think it's still important because like you mentioned like the evolution here is key. How have you, you know, viewed this this topic uh, differently over the past year, and how are you coming to it this summer? So you made it sound like I just like wanted to run sub three and did. Um, there's a lot more to that, and go back to the podcast of last summer to dive into that. But long story long, but a little bit shorter. Um, four years of effort to doing it, and it took standing on the start line, not caring about the outcome and instead being wholly focused on the last like 3000 miles that I spent leading up to that moment and celebrating it and feeling free. And I remember standing on the starting line, feeling like a caged animal about to be released into the wild. And, and, um, I ran like an uncaged animal released into the wild with like almost no effort for 15 miles at like a 640 something pace. And then it got hard. And then I, um, pushed through and hit, um, performance. I never could have imagined I, I could hit anyway. What that did for me was, and I did some reflecting on what turned out to be my like most viral Instagram post, um, until Courtney DeWalter crossed the Western States finish line a few weeks later. Um, and the reflection of it was basically like running is a sandbox, right? We get to explore these limits and boundaries and we can screw up and the, the cost of going too far isn't that bad. Like maybe you'll get a stress fracture or whatever, but like you'll survive. Um, and I, I don't suggest that everyone trains hard enough that they get a stress fracture. But there are some injuries, mainly overuse injuries, that end up being useful data points around um, how to train or wh where to listen to your body versus when to listen to the fact that motivation comes from not from the first steps out the door, but 
action. Motivation follows action. Kind of and like you don't know where the line is until you've gone past it. Kind of not a- kind of like definitely like that. Okay. And and um, so I crossed that line this past spring, very far across the line. Um, I had a pretty frank conversation with David, my coach, where I walked into his house. I said some things, and he said, "Are you depressed?" And I said. I'm not not depressed. And I had just run eight miles with Hayden Hawks the Friday before. We ran 714 pace, uh, and it was conversational. Um, I'm a three-hour marathoner. That's a little faster than what like conversational at altitude might be. And David said, you just did something we've been, without trying, that we've been trying to do for months you're not you're not physically injured this is a mental thing <clears throat> so he cut he he deleted everything from the training plan and said do whatever you want for as long as you need and gave a little more guidance than than that but basically said like take time off run when you want whatever like we'll get through this this was march or or february um and I'll I'll tie this all in a bow in a second once I can think of the connecting piece. Just kidding. Um, so I th- that conversation came about because my girlfriend Kate basically said to me, "We're in Boston for a wedding," and I was like stressing over hitting miles and whatever while traveling. She's like, "You're not having fun. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? Like, you got to figure this out. Like, we got to figure this out." And so that set off like this, what, what am I doing question? It's just running, right? Why, why am I getting depressed from, from, I wasn't getting depressed from running. It was sort of the summation of, of all of it. But in that moment and in that period, running was taking more from me than it was giving me, right? Running is, people say running is therapy. It's not therapy. It can be therapeutic. Running was not therapeutic in, in a time when I needed it to be. And not only was it not therapeutic, it was stressing me out more than it was giving me. And I'm someone who freaking loves running sometimes and uh, most of the time and loves the community aspect, loves the people, loves all of this stuff. And I wasn't loving any of that. And so um, this came on the heels of of, of a pretty substantial blow up at CIM um, where I ran and came in first place at the CIM 10 miler and uh, and had a pretty brutal remaining um, 16 miles where I puked for 12 of them and I had the most phenomenal training season ever going into that race I was running so well i hit 80 miles in a week for the first time i hit i was above 70 for like five weeks in a row i would only done that twice before um i was finishing 20 20 and 22 mile long runs with the last 5k below like a 645 average just like stupid fitness type stuff and i ran one workout where I struggled a bit. It was 20 miles with 4321 miles at half marathon. Oh. <laughs> and David <laughs> David had had just had um David and Megan had just had Leo. So I messaged and I was like, "Are you like sleep drunk? Was there supposed to be a <laughs> an H in front of marathon effort like thinking that like marathon miles." Right, marathon effort that still would have been a beast. Right. Um, and he was like, nope, <laughs> giddy up. <laughs> and so I did, I did. That reminds me, I went to the training plan by mistake. I did one second of recovery instead of one minute of recovery. <laughs> when I wrote a training plan for one of my athletes, I just did the drop down menu and I pressed the wrong drop down by mistake. And luckily, and they actually did it. They actually did the workout. And they're like, this was really hard. I'm like, yeah, no shit. Oh my That's God. so funny. So <laughs> like, they so, did like three steps and then we're like, all right, next rep. All right, keep going. So, so I did I did the four three two one at half marathon and um 
the last mile was a 632 or something like that and mm-hmm. that was the, the 20th mile and it was really hard but like manageable and so i spoke with tina mir on the podcast i never know how to say her last name tina mir mir tina okay. if you're listening please correct me um Anyway, she was like, you didn't struggle enough in your in your build up and it didn't remind you of the of the um the, the struggle of a marathon. And I'm like, Tina, I ran eighty miles for the first time and I did this crazy hard workout and then thinking back on it, like that eighty mile week, I ran the last three miles of that week as a double with Kate. And I was like, I could have done 10 miles in that double and and run almost 90 miles in the week. And I was just like feeling so good. So the point is, I think it's really important to struggle. And I think it's really important to entertain these ideas or experiences of like pretty extreme discomfort both physically and mentally, perhaps even more importantly. And if we don't have the struggle, I'm going to sound like a cliche or a, a, a lyric from a song or something. Like, if we don't have the struggle, we don't have the perspective of... We don't have the perspective, right? Like, mm-hmm. everything is relative. If you're watching this, if you do video, you have the I peaks and no, the troughs. You're, you're, making, you're making a nice wave there. I know we're making waves. Jake Tuber calls it the the cork rolling corkscrew up, um, and and it just keeps getting harder. But your your baseline or your threshold for discomfort just rises, right? The point is, I went through that period, and I was like, hmm, I think I learned a lot in this period. Um, I'm grateful for the lessons. I'm also grateful I don't feel like shit anymore. And I want to take a big swing at something. Um, did you dive right back into that mindset, like right after CIM, no, or did you have no, some no, sort no. of like mourning period after that blow up? No, I um, after CIM, I took like eight or nine days off fully, and like jog, did some jogging after that. Um, I kind of wonder what would have happened if I took a month off of running. Period. Like, I've always wanted to do that after a big race. Um, and I just haven't. And I wonder if the spring would have looked different had I done that. But also, like, what's the point in the what-if game? Like, you did what you did. You can't undo it. But I I appreciate what I was able to take away from this spring. And I ended up coaching myself or not being coached for like two months and I, I i learned a lot in that process i learned i love the the joy of running for running sake i love running with other people i already knew that um and i learned truly how impactful running with other people can be david was like you are an outlier when it comes to the influence that um other people have on your rpe rate of perceived exertion so like try and do workouts with other people because it makes it suck less and you still get the same benefit um so we made some changes to how i train my week gets crazier as the week goes on so i now do workouts on tuesdays instead of wednesdays so that we can front load the physical stress and like offset it against the mental stress stuff like that that like helps from a structure standpoint to set me up for more success but to answer your question no i didn't come out of cim like i'm gonna take a big swing i came out of cim like wow i'm pretty pretty messed up not messed up but like pretty um the motivation is not there and it's it's really not there and it wasn't there for for months and so my takeaway from that was reflects back to a conversation I had with Devin Yanko in like 2016 or 17 when I was trying to figure out what to do next. And Devin's guidance at the time was just, was like, do whatever you find fun and just 
follow that until it's not fun anymore and then do something else. So my focus for this summer has been like the complete opposite ends of the spectrum. I raced Broken Arrow and at the same time, Broken Arrow is a uh, 25K in Tahoe. Um, it ended up being, or 24K, it ended up being two loops of the 11K route. So just under 12 miles with almost 5,000 feet of gain, it took me three hours to run 11 and a half miles with 5,000 feet of gain through snow and blah, blah, blah. At the same time, I'm training for sub five mile. At the same time, I'm pacing a friend at Leadville, which is at 10,000 feet. Um, and I don't know, we'll do 15 or 20 miles together. And I start at, at his hundred K. Um, these are like super different events, like between broken arrow and Leadville and, um, yeah, between broken arrow and Leadville is a sub five mile attempt. So the training for those would be categorically different in a, in a perfect environment where adaptation is the the focus or the primary like how do you structure a perfect training plan to break five minutes in the mile or how do you structure a perfect training plan to be able to climb 800 feet in a mile and then descend a little bit and then do it again and then descend a little bit and then do it again and then descend a little bit and do it again and then run downhill hard and then do it all over again like that against training for a mile it's it couldn't be more different unless that mile were like a hundred yard dash. <laughs> hey folks, are you tired of the spike and crash and GI distress that comes with sugar-based sports nutrition? Well, it's time to give you can a try. You can energy energy powders, gels, and bars utilize steady release carbs instead of sugar, so you don't feel the highs and lows in energy. I use a scoop of you can powder every single morning as part of my breakfast also the edge energy gels oh my gosh they are the best they have that consistent fuel they also taste fantastic and they're almost like a liquid gel they go down so smooth without any lingering aftertaste in your mouth the top marathoners in the u.s emily sisson kira damato sarah hall emma bates all rely on you can to fuel their training and they're raising emma fueled her fifth place finish at boston with one edge energy gel every 5k and felt strong throughout the race without experiencing any gi distress you can's award-winning edge energy gels just last longer than other gels and provides a more consistent feeling of energy all with zero sugar here's your chance because you can is offering rambling runner listeners an exclusive chance to try six energy samples for free so six energy gel edge samples for free all you pay is the shipping cost head over to youcan.co forward slash rambling to to claim this exclusive offer that link is in the show notes that's youcan.co forward slash rambling for the edge energy gel offer also if you're already a fan of youcan and you just want to save 20 percent on all their products then just use ramble code rambling at checkout to do just that then what makes these series of events fun for you why why is why is this series of events the catalyst that you were looking for in the way that devin yanko frames it so that's i don't quite know the answer to that question but i also don't think i need to i it's just because it is is why i am doing it um because i'm not a professional runner i don't have to do anything um and Broken Arrow was super fun. Uh, Leadville is super fun. These are like community-focused trail events where um, it's all about just like having fun in the mountains. The race director, Brendan Madigan, at the start of Broken Arrow, there there are four races or five races. Anyway, at the start of the races, he basically says, When's all, when all is said and done, you're not going to remember the details of life. You'll remember the good times you had with friends and family and the great times you had in the mountains. And it's pretty poignant. Um, and then with the mile, I think that taking a big public swing is intoxicating to me. <laughs> Just like to put something out there and hear the feedback of other people telling me that you can do it, but less so the you can do it part. And usually what they say afterwards, which is, and I'm going to do 
insert monumental task here. Someone told me they're signing up for their first marathon. Someone told me that they're 45 years old and they're going to try and break five minutes in the mile again. Someone told me that they're signing up for their first Ironman, blah, 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 blah. All of this stuff that either people share publicly and attempt to evangelize other people to do the same, or maybe you're not the public type, and but still, like, I don't know, a dozen people told me different things that, that they were inspired to do because of this big swing. My PR is 506, and I ran that at sea level um, a few years ago, and I've not done any proper speed training, like like high-end speed training since, I don't know, 2017 or who knows. So you're rested. Yeah, I'm rested. <laughs> the first last two weeks ago, I did um, sub five work for the first time in like, I don't know, five years. And I was like, holy shit, this is really, really fast. Was it just like straight up anchorman? Like I immediately regret this decision. <laughs> it was it was a little bit of that. Like I, this is Milk a, was a bad choice. Like this is a sprint. And how am I going to sprint for five minutes? Um, but then the coolest thing happens, and, and this is the parallel for life, and this is why I find this so fascinating, right? When you do hard things, hard things get easier. So um, last week I did, I don't know, 10 by one minute or something like that, one on, 30 second off. This, the, the prior week it was two minutes on, 90 seconds off, and then this week it was 90, 60, 30 at 10K, 5K mile. And what happened in the in the third, fourth, and fifth 10K reps blew my freaking mind. I was what I felt jogging 610 pace, which is 10K, like, and then 605. And I looked down on my watch. I'm like, this can't possibly be right. But it was, and it was right over and over for the full duration of that time. And so this, like, this perspective is is wild and my average for the for the mile was like 450 and 455 and my average for the 5k was was like 540 535 and that's that's again that's at altitude my and remarkably consistent each each set was like identical to the one before it yeah and it was first of all that that experience was crazy because I was the slowest person on the track by a lot, and I got passed in every single rep with the exception of one, where I passed Nell Rojas um, in one of the thirty second blocks. She was and doing marathon pace. No, she was doing six hundreds. But yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. Lindsey Flanagan was doing like long tempos and passing me at like five twenty. Um, so the point is. And I made a post about it on Instagram yesterday. And the the point, the the takeaway that I had from from that workout yesterday, is the epitome of why I run, and the epitome of why I think the intersection of of running and entrepreneurship, or running and insert thing that's hard here, is valuable. In that, when you do hard things, other hard things feel easier, and your threshold for work, or your threshold for discomfort, or your threshold for like again, doing something hard elevates. Now you did a, you did an episode with was it Meg Morgan, where I know like the the key line from that one, which I think was like the YouTube thumbnail, was like bad runs are ultra training, right? <laughs> and it kind of reminds me of that vibe. Um, you know, I we have the same coach, so I know I, I can imagine what you were thinking when you typed those words, and you because know, I usually get that kind of feedback when I also when I when I have bad days and like basically want to like walk off the side of the earth um so like the earth is flat so you can but that's what i mean (laughs) wasn't a metaphor people um so so describe to me like what what that means and how like and how that how that plays a part for you that the idea of like hey just because it's a bad day that doesn't mean things are going to shit this means like hey this is game time this is what it's all about right now so i joked that the that cim was my first day of ultra training because i puked for 12 miles and finished the race um that's a part of ultra running like managing things coming back up that shouldn't be coming back up and so yeah i feel that bad runs are part of it and and it's more about how you deal with the bad run versus like if you're going out and having bad runs all the time like speak with an expert about why that's the case or maybe right. probably slow right. down and 
and and and then like pursue additional answers from there as needed but yeah i think it's critical to have bad runs every so often again if it's happening multiple times a week that's a sign that something right. is it's a different off yes yeah. yeah, speak with a coach etc cetera, etc cetera. um but yeah the, that framing from meg was great and she went on to come in 10th at western states in the fastest women's time for 10th place i think ever in the race um and it was wonderful she finished at 11 15 p.m and i stayed and i watched like the top 15 women or 12 or whatever and i was in bed by 1 1 a.m and normally like the the top 10 women don't finish until like 12 30 or 1 so really great on them to allow us to go to bed on the on the early side that evening <laughs> that's great all right now, I feel like we also have to thread a needle here because something that you've talked about a lot is how much you love running and the process of getting better and the enjoyment that comes from it and balancing that inherent enjoyment with what you talked about in the beginning of this episode of like that struggle, that getting into the pain cave type stuff um, and, and things like that, which doesn't necessarily have to be, but can be the other end of that experience uh, and be the opposite experience the way you've described in the past. How are you able to, or how are you trying to manage both of those at the same time so that you're able to get the most out of yourself during this experience, but also not have a reoccurrence of like, what am I doing here? I'm not enjoying it. While also, you know, trips to the pain cave, as you've just mentioned, you know, can be, can be beneficial and can lead to better experiences later. So I think there's a difference between an intentional trip to the pain cave and, Oh shit, I'm in the pain cave. This is going to be really hard. I think there's room once or twice for a programmatic trip to the pain cave, um, per cycle. Anything more than that, you're probably overdrawing. But it's inevitable in any hard event. So I think anything beyond half marathon, you're pretty likely to have an extended experience in the pain cave with something like a 10K, 5K mile, etc. Um, trip to the pain cave is remarkably painful, but it doesn't last very long, although it can seem like it lasts long. After she finished Western States, Courtney DeWalter, who owns the women's record uh, by now 77 minutes over the previous time, said that the pain cave just expanded quite a lot um, after that experience she had um, in California. And that's the point. Again, it's what we've been talking about. Like, when you do hard things, you're capacity for hard things gets bigger that's what she meant by the pain cave just got an expansion like it's bigger my i can endure more etc so i'm trying to take all of this and be like okay what's what's going to be like this 459 trip to the pain cave and how long can i hold on to it and then what can i learn from that and then also trying to rectify like what happens if we're 800 meters in and the the um, V formation of pacers starts drifting away. What am I going to do there? Let's talk about that. So what you, you're not just going to be going to the track being like, all right, it's five minute mile time. All right. Like I got a friend out here with the video camera and I got my watch on go time. Like what, what is this? What, what is the event? Who's going to be there? What's, what's this setup? Yeah. So, um, I have a flaw that I'm not able to do anything at a like small scale. Some might call it a flaw. Some might call it like a, a thirst for doing more and, and like making things bigger and more exciting. Anyway, um, this idea came about in a conversation. So my podcast is supported by Puma. Um, and we were doing a bunch of 5Ks time trials leading up to Boulder Boulder. So I had asked Puma, uh, which is a 10K here in Boulder. Um, I asked Puma for a fast shoe and they said, how fast? And I said, as fast as legal. And they said, no, but seriously, like how fast, like what, what race distance? 
And I said, for 5K and 10K. And they said, okay, we'll send you this. Um, but we'll also send you a shoe that's meant for like the mile on the track. And this is an interesting looking shoe. It's like a regular shoe, but then it looks like you took a slice out of the toe box so that when the toe is firmly planted on the ground, you're at a 45 degree angle. So it's like enhancing propulsion and, and whatnot. It's, it's the fast forward FWD, um, from Puma. And so they were like, yeah, if you ever run a mile, like this would be a good one. I was like, Hmm, I've always wanted to break five in the mile. Maybe I should do that. Um, and so then this led to like, well, what if we had some Puma Pacers? And so Sarah Vaughn is a sponsor of a race called Mile High Mile. It's out here in Boulder on July 29th. Um, so Sarah is running and her daughter Kiki is running in the same wave. Um, she is Kiki, a stud high school runner. Yeah. And she's already broken five at altitude. Um, so she'll be in this wave. Uh, we're hoping Jenny Simpson will be a part of it as well. Um, another Puma athlete. Another Puma athlete. And then Aisha Pratt-Lear, uh, fingers crossed there, um, so that we have these like rock star athletes focused on a community event, a little bit of work for them, and helping people achieve their goals. And then my buddy Tony, who can be found on Instagram at Tony with a Sony, is preparing a video, um, basically a five-minute recap uh, of what this event turns into, where he's going to interview three or four of the athletes prior, talk about their journey, breaking five for the first time. So um, Sarah and Kiki, hopefully Jenny, Aisha, et cetera, um, and then some scrub like me about why I want to break five and what it means to me to break five uh and then insert dramatic interlude here and we have the race and then we have a bunch of people lying on the track um uh, gasping for air at the end and at some point there will be some really like cool cinematography and 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 music and all this stuff and and so puma is supporting uh tony producing that video um, and then the podcast is sponsoring the pro field uh, and contributing $1,000 to the prize purse over there because while we believe it's important to ramble on the run with amateur athletes, we also believe it's important to s support the, the professional side of the sport. And we're in a place with the podcast where we're fortunate to be able to contribute uh, financially in hopefully somewhat of a meaningful manner. Uh, to people whose livelihoods depend on their ability to... It's a bigger to... prize purse in Western states. And that's yeah, great point. <laughs> great point. Um, so all of that sort of came about in like three weeks, um, which is about how long I get to train for this event. <laughs> um, because we talked we talked about all this like at the end this of June. This is a June. great test of like how much does the aerobic base matter in the mile? Like we're about to find out. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Guinea pig that. Um, I asked David, I was like, do you think I can do this? Like, is this a fool's errand? And, um, he looked up in the air and did some thinking for like about five or six seconds and was like, yeah, I, uh, yeah, let's do it. We can do this. Um, All right, serious question. What, what could you ask David Roche that he wouldn't give you an affirmative answer on that, that has revolved around <laughs> what you could possibly do as an athlete. I say this as I am one of Dave Roach's athletes. He's an extremely positive person. Also, he defaults to positivity. So even if he's not sure, he's going to go to the positive side of the argument. So what do you think you could say that he'd be like, you know what? Hmm. This I'm is, not sure. So sure about this. This has only happened once in the, in the five years that he's been coaching me. And, I was, it was 2018 or 2017. It was before I'd ever run Western state, uh, Western States. Ooh, that slipped. Um, uh, it was before I'd ever run broken arrow. And I asked him about running the 52 K as my first 50 K or my first ultra. He was like, why don't you pick something that you can train for appropriately? <laughs> Um, so I ran the 26k that year and got crushed and it took, it took three and a half hours. So, um, great call on his part. The highest altitude that I was seeing at the time was my fourth floor walk up apartment in Boston. 
Um, and I was doing the equivalent. So that, that race climbs like 4,000 feet in 12, 13 miles. It, it was taking me like two months to accumulate that type of gain in Boston. (laughs) So, so not, not the wisest choice for, for my first 50 K. Um, but yeah, that was the one time that he said (laughs) basically, uh, no, (laughs) That's funny. Hey, well, there you go. See, it's possible. Yeah. It's possible. Yeah, it is. Anything's um, possible. Now, we also one of the big things you're going to be doing, like you mentioned, is um, what's it called? Is pacing a friend at Leadville? So that's that's a huge task. So obviously, you need to make sure you're trained for that. You need to run well, um, but you're not running for yourself anymore, right? You're running for somebody else in service of somebody else. What's it like preparing to do that? Um, knowing that if things don't go well, like it's not just your ego that you're letting down. Yeah. Um, I love the way you put that. So I paced once before it was the URA 100. I ran, um, 12 and a half, almost 13 miles with my friend Kelly Young. Um, and it took us over seven hours to run that, um, almost half marathon. (laughs) We gained like 5,000 feet in, in the, um, in that time, that was such a cool experience. I'm terrified of heights and we basically scaled a mountain. Um, and it was fascinating because I would not have gone up that mountain on my own or like on a long run. I I would have like turned around and chosen literally anything else. And I did it and we did it. And, um, that was a fascinating experience because I saw someone at the lowest that I'd ever seen a human ever in my life. Like she was hallucinating and she could have sworn she saw Indiana Jones uh, running up ahead. And like, it it was some messed up stuff (laughs) that happens. And so I picked her up at 6am. She had been running since 5am the previous day. So she's going on, uh, hour 25 with no sleep uh she had run through the night where it hailed rained thunder lightning um and so i pick her up at 100k and we ran for for seven and a half hours and again like this three thousand foot continuous climb was the lowest i'd ever seen a human um and nothing that I felt in that moment could compare to what I imagined she was going through. So everything that was hard for me became not as hard. There was the context of, or the relativity of like, my heart is not as hard as her heart is right now. So like suck it up buttercup and keep, keep on moving up this climb that you don't want to be a part of. And also, um, it was really fun supporting a friend doing something like so incredibly epic. And I, Amelia and I joke that like we could be, we would be professional pacers if that were a, an option. Cause it's so fun getting to participate in helping someone achieve their wildest dreams. And so, um, I'm pacing TJ David, who's Zoe Rome's partner. And I was talking with Zoe about this, um, about the section I'll be pacing. And it sounds like I'll be starting, I'll be the first pacer that he can pick up um, at basically 60 miles. Uh, So he'll have just gone up Hope Pass, which is over 12,000 feet, um, come down on the other side, which is the 50 mile turnaround. You turn around and go right back up Hope Pass and then come down back into Twin Lakes. And so you've just done the hardest part of the course and you have 40 miles to go. (laughs) Most of the people listening to this, when they have 40 miles to go, it's like Tuesday in their week. (laughs) Right. I had Randy Randy Orm on this podcast last year. Talk to me about like that's where she blew up and she's run hundreds before. She just had a bad day. She was describing her experience there. Again, this wasn't her first hundred by any means. And she was describing it. I was like, oh, my God, this sounds like the worst. (laughs) I can't even imagine 
I joke like most people listening they have 40 miles to go it's the Tuesday of their week like same same with me um but to think that you have 40 miles to go in the afternoon evening nighttime before you're done but you've already run 60 miles is like I I, I don't know what that feeling is like and one day I'll hopefully figure it out and and know it but anyway what Zoe's point was is like he's going to be in a in a potentially pretty dark place and he'll need the positivity he'll need the encouragement and just like general good vibes and so i don't need to train for that part but i need to train to like not get dropped because coming out of twin this, lakes I, this is where i was going to next yeah, like, yeah. He, he's not just some geek off the street tj david might be competing for you know a, a high spot in this race right I, he 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 is um so it starts with a climb and then it's like flowy downhill so zoe said it would be a good thing if he if he ran every step of that section and i'm like oh, i better get the training <laughs> so i'll come into it with a pretty strong aerobic base and a pretty pretty strong like engine um and I'm trying to maintain some semblance of trail legs. I'm doing my squats and deadlifts. I'm doing the band work. I'm doing some vert on the weekends uh, on incredibly tired legs. Like I ran my friend Brad. Uh, Brad runs far on social. Many people may follow him or get kudos from Brad's him. Brad's been on the show before. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I did a I did a light tempo on Saturday in the long run, and then Brad took me up uh, a hill called Belcher Hill, um, where you climb eighteen hundred feet in three and a half miles. So it took um, an hour to go the first three and a half miles in our run on Sunday. So yeah, just like doing doing some decent easy work on incredibly tired legs. And that should work. Man, 1,800 feet in three miles is hard to digest. I mean, I, I'm sitting here like there's a 300-foot climb near me. And it's not paced out over a mile. It's more like you know half a mile, three-quarters of a mile. But it's like the, the nearest hill to me like within running distance. right? So I'm not getting in my car to go do hill training. And that thing is tough. And that is one-sixth of what they're doing. <laughs> And like that was that's like that's a big one for me. Like there are plenty of days where I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna take a little little ten second walk here. Right? Kind of reset my body, reset my mind, and then kinda of get back into it. Um so good for you for like tackling the you know, kinda of keeping it going, getting the vibes going. Um you've always talked about on this podcast, on your podcast, and other podcasts, that your goal as a runner is just to be able to do whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it, with whoever We'll do it with you or, you know, joining in someone else's adventure. It definitely seems like you're doing that right now. Does it seem like this is the culmination of what you've been trying to build towards? Training for, I think when we last spoke, I would have said that my training goal was, would be to say yes to anything within three to five days, with three to five days notice. And I, I feel like I'm living that right now because I don't think that the goals that I'm training for could be any more different as we talked about at the beginning. And I, I, with that, I feel that there's some sacrifice in like quote unquote optimal training for a mile or optimal training for trail adventures. But what I'm sacrificing in the ability to do both, I'm making up for in the enjoyment and, and there are coaches and David is probably one of them who say, my goal is to help the athlete have as much fun as possible and the results will happen as long as they are loving the process. I think Steve Magnus said something like that. And if Steve Magnus says it, you know it's right because he's got plenty of evidence to, to, to draw from on, on, on the statement like that. And... And if it wasn't Steve, it was someone like of that caliber. Um, so that I feel like I'm in that, right? Where the sacrifice of like not having perfect training, perfect in the like, if you could, 
I'm living the balance of of science versus the art of coaching, right? And David is supporting the art being driven by the science, but like the fun angle is being highlighted in ways that it it hasn't before for me. And maybe that's a fault of mine for not like dialing, not dialing that in, but like considering that as much and and like trying to stick to the plan or trying to be perfect or whatever um and so i hope the takeaway is that people who are training for a marathon like you have liberty to do whatever the hell you want and you have liberty always to do what you want even if you have a coach um even if you're training for a serious time goal or a new distance or whatever like it gets back to like when I see people complaining about um, I have to run in the rain. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't. You absolutely do not have to run in the rain. Running in the rain is a choice. You are choosing to do something. You are choosing to run in the heat. You are choosing to run in the snow. You are choosing. I will not choose to run in thunder and lightning or ice. And those are the only conditions that I find to be dangerous and won't run in but everything else is a choice and everything else can be fun and if it's not fun have a conversation with your coach have a conversation with your partner have a conversation with the person that you're talking about poop with at the at the group run like there are people that can help you triage when it is no longer fun because if you're not having fun, okay, so that we're in we're in July right now. A lot of people are going to start training for Chicago, New York, CIM, Berlin. If you're actually if you're not training for Berlin, you you're behind. <laughs> um, anyway, and if you're not having fun already, talk to someone about it because that is a problem. I love this and it's uh, it's great to hear from you, someone who I think has done a wonderful job of cultivating the life that they want to live. You're someone who has kind of created their job as they've gone through your own professional life. You moved to moved to Boulder with certain ideas of how you wanted to live your life, and here you are. You created the side gig with for the long run um, in in the image you wanted to create, and now your running has now followed suit, and you're living the goals that you'd set out. For 18 months, talking about, well, like, I want to be able to do X, Y, Z, and now you are doing it. So, John Levitt, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking us through all of it. Of course, Matt, we got to get you out here. We'll we'll run up an 1,800-foot hill, and uh, and and by run up it, I mean we'll we'll walk and jog when, when be possible, <laughs> because that's how it works. <laughs> Matt Chittam, everybody, thank you so much for having me on. It's always a pleasure to chat with you on or off the record. <laughs>